I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was going to die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews, and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast, where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. Okay, today I want to welcome Kevin Wayne Johnson. He is the founder and CEO of the Johnson Leadership Group and an independent certified coach, trainer, mentor, and speaker with the internationally recognized John Maxwell team, where he leads uh, learning experiences that are tailored to meet the specific needs of the audience to help them maximize efficiency, growth, awareness, and effectiveness. He provides organizations and the people who work within them the tools to forge effective personal and interpersonal communications and deliver on uh, and delivers trainings on the elements of dynamic relationships to equip teams with the attitudes and attributes needed to develop individuals into leaders. Now, Kevin has had an interesting journey that started in government and has kind of currently in the private sector. And so we're looking forward to hearing that journey today. Kevin, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. Good to be with you. Appreciate the invitation. Yeah. So you're retired from government. You spent most of your time in government. And obviously, you didn't retire entirely. You just kept going. But we'll talk about that more later. What? How did all this start? Well, I'm a native of Richmond, Virginia. And unlike most college graduates uh, who have the opportunity or the good fortune of landing a job right away, uh, Kevin Johnson did not. So I'm a graduate of Virginia Commonwealth University in my hometown. And I, I graduated during a season uh, in America where we were in a recession and it was much more difficult to find employment than I thought it would be, that my professors told me it would be. So I took the advice of my mother over a period of time to apply for the federal government. Didn't know much about it. I had family members that were employed with the government, but I didn't really pursue them and ask them questions and get advice. So I was sort of at the end of my rope, if you would, and I went ahead and applied and I sat before a panel of three. I still remember that. And I interviewed and apparently I did well and I was selected. And that's how the journey started. One year after graduating from college, I started my government career uh, at the tender age of 24 and it lasted 34 years. And I finally retired after 34 years because it was a great, great opportunity to enjoy employment. Lots of good supervisors, champions, and sponsors along the way, good benefits. Uh, I've received my paycheck every two weeks without any issues. And that's really how the journey got started. Wow. And, and what sorts of things did you do in government? 
Well, it was a very interesting and varied career. I, I was involved with a myriad of other different work roles that were very challenging. For the most part, it was in the area of acquisition and contracting. I was the person and my team responsible for buying the goods and services to make our our agency tick uh, to align with the mission and vision and core values uh, of our agency. I was the person that had the ink pen that would sign the contracts with the vendors, whatever it may have been. It could be office supplies. It could be military clothing. It could be subsistence and food. Uh, it could be major weapon systems. It could be uh, information technology, including wireless. It was a combination of a lot of those different things uh, that we were responsible for buying. And I really enjoyed it because I was part property manager, part negotiator, part attorney, uh, and I could go on and on and on. And I actually did that, Craig, for the first 25 years of my 34-year career. It wasn't until after 25 years I matriculated on to a different work role just to get some additional experience uh, and to see things from a different perspective. And what would you say were the, the main things that you learned? Again, we're, we're focusing on leadership here. Mm-hmm. What did you learn about leadership in those first 25 years? Well, I learned really two things, and this sounds simple, but this is what I learned. Uh, I learned how I felt when I was under bad leadership, and I learned and gleaned a lot about how I felt when I was under good leadership. And I made a decision that as I moved through uh, frontline, mid-level, and then on to being a senior leader, I learned that leadership is more than just about what we know, but it's also how we care and respect and honor those that we are entrusted to lead because people are looking for their leaders to not just know and demonstrate intelligence and acumen, but also to be there for them, to develop them, uh, to listen to them and to respect them. And that those were the really big lessons at a very high level that I learned so that as I matriculated through my career from mid-level to senior level, to be very careful to be the type of leader that I remember how I felt when I was led well. And and that that was a commitment that I made to myself and to my people. I will be a good leader because I know how it makes people feel. Now, I, you know, when I was in the Marine Corps, one of the things that's unique about the Marine Corps is you can't fire underperforming Marines. Right. Yeah, you know, they have to break a law for you to get <laughs> rid of them. Right. Now, I'd imagine it's a little bit easier in the US government, but I would also imagine it's hard to get rid of an underperforming employee. Is, is that true? Well, that's true. And and two things, Craig. Number one, I am the son of a US Marine, so I understand very well. Semper five. Uh, yep, absolutely. My dad served uh, two terms in Vietnam and one term in Okinawa, Japan. So I, I know. Well, I just had a session today with a senior leader reminding him that Unfortunately, in the workplace, especially in the government, uh, you do have to be able to work with people who have an attitude that, you know what, I don't really like what I do. I'm not really fulfilled, but I make just enough to keep from quitting. So in order to continue to show up every day, I'm only going to perform just enough to keep from getting fired. So it does become very difficult 
and very challenging to move beyond the quote unquote non-performer. But I tell you this, and this is something that I learned, Craig, we can move a non-performer into a performer based upon how they're treated, how they're listened to, and then move them into more opportunities for development. Uh, it, it really starts to turn people around. It gets to the core of human behavior. And when people are in a work role that's more aligned with their giftedness and their ability and their skill, uh, the performance level will begin to go up. And that's something that leaders have to be aware of and recognize and take action so that we can have better people in the workplace. You know, I, I really want to dig in on this because this is so important. You know, in the civilian, non-governmental world, you have somebody that's not performing, you just fire them. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying it's easy. Um, you know, I've, you know, fortunately, I haven't had to, I've only had to fire two people. Uh, I feel concerned myself blessed there. But it's easy in the sense that if somebody's not performing, you just fire them. And it's easy to say, that's their issue. I got rid of them. I moved them out. But when you're in the position that you were in, where you couldn't do that. I mean, this is where I think some really skill and insight comes in. Can we dig into that? Because I want folks to hear that. I think there's some valuable nuggets about how they could lead their teams better and turn non-performers into performers. Yeah. Yeah. So here's something that I always share with people, both aspiring leaders uh, as well as seasoned leaders. Uh, all of us, have three things in common when it comes to our everyday existence. Number one is that every person wants to be affirmed, including you and I. Every now and again, we want somebody to say, good job, thank you, appreciate you. We're not the same without you. Everybody needs some affirmation. Number two, everybody wants to belong to a tribe, everybody. The most introverted person all the way across the spectrum to the most extroverted person and everybody in between wants to be a part of a tribe. And here's the last part, Greg. Number three, everybody wants to know that when they show up, they're going to be included. Hmm. And so if leaders would embrace that and align with it and just take a little bit more time, not all of your time, not even most of your time, but some of your time to get to know your people and allow them to get to know you, we are now well on our way to being responsive to those three areas. And that is that everybody wants to be affirmed. Everybody wants to be a part of a tribe. And absolutely, everybody wants to know that when they show up, they're going to be included. When those things happen, it's not necessarily going to turn everybody around but it'll help people to feel that they have some value in terms of what they're doing each and every day. And now we're on our way to turning people from being non-performers into being performers. Now I, I can promise there's somebody listening saying, and they're, they're, they have a name in their mind of their <laughs> problem employee. And they're saying, look, I affirm them. I include them. I, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing these things that you're saying, they're just not performing. What would you say to that person? Well, how can we find opportunities for their personal and professional development? 
is it is it training is it additional resources is it perhaps another work role is it some type of a developmental assignment that's a conversation you don't you don't make the decision in a vacuum uh, but that's a conversation that you can have with that person or with those people around what would be the best fit for them because oftentimes that could be the deterrent in terms of you're doing all the other things but uh, they're still kind of stagnant. So having that conversation with them, because what we do is now we're demonstrating that we're good listeners. And by being a good listener, you send a subliminal message to the other person that you give a care what they say. It's not a matter of whether you agree or not, but you 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 listen to what they have to say without interrupting and without changing the subject. And it sends a message to them that what they're saying is important. So that's what I always share with leaders in terms of giving that a try. It's not necessarily a 100% uh, effective solution, but it's one step toward uh, helping yourself as the leader and then helping the person that you're entrusted to lead to kind of come to a happy medium. So, and let's hit this one more time, just so people get this. What are the three things that everybody needs? Yeah. So everybody needs to be affirmed. And again, leaders don't go out of your way and don't be um, other than genuine and authentic. But every now and again, you're letting people know that you appreciate them. Thank you. Uh, great presentation, great briefing, good paper. Couldn't do this without you. Every now and again, because everybody needs that, including you and I. Number two, everybody wants to be a part of a tribe. They want to belong to something. That's why so many people belong to social and civic organizations, fraternities and sororities, uh, membership in the church, because they want to be a part of a tribe, neighborhood association, et cetera. And then last but not least, number three, people want to know that when they do show up, they're going to be included. And oftentimes, when a person doesn't feel like they're included, they're the ones that go into their shell. They're the ones that go sit off in the corner by themselves because they just don't feel like they're included. And so those three things are basic and core and foundational to everybody. And leaders just need to know that. That's why we put an emphasis on recognizing what you can do as a leader to know your people, but at the same time, opening yourself up and having your people to know you. We're not talking about necessarily being friends, but just present yourself as friendly and approachable. And it does make a difference. I've seen it time and time again. Yeah, that is so powerful. And let's move on to something else that you did, you've done or still are doing that I think's really incredible. You're, you're involved in suicide prevention. Yes. So what is that? What's I mean, obviously we know what suicide is, but what, what do you do and how does that work? Yeah, so I happen to be, um, this This kind of starts in the family. And, um, you know, deep down in your heart, you, you, you tend to have a burden for a particular topic or a particular issue. And I've just noticed in, in America, uh, more and more men, women, boys and girls um, have this feeling of isolation this feeling of loneliness, this feeling of depression, which leads to people thinking that the only remedy is to check out uh, suicide. And, and the rates were going up long before the pandemic. 
uh, here in my area, I'm in Howard County, Maryland, the high school um, age for children in Howard County uh, at one time was leading the entire state uh, high school ages when my sons were in high school was was the number one cause of death. And it just it just captured my attention. So I began teaching and speaking and training on the topic. And someone from the governor's office got wind of the work that I was doing when Larry Hogan was in office. Larry Hogan served two terms as a Republican governor in a Democratic state. Very, very popular, very, very effective. And I was I was nominated and ultimately appointed to the position of faith community commissioner on the Commission for Suicide Prevention. So the Commission for Suicide Prevention in the state of Maryland um, was initiated under former Governor O'Malley under an executive order going back to 2009. And there are about 15 commissioners that represent different demographics across the 23 counties in our state. For me, it's faith community where we just raise the level of awareness in terms of what's happening with suicide in terms of data and statistics. We manage the two-year state plan for the governor that he signs off on every two years. We share information about signs. We share information about credentials and becoming certified. And we share information about workshops, conferences, seminars, and summits, just to kind of get the information out and to let people know um, how to detect when a family member or a friend may be contemplating suicide. So very, very important topic. And uh, I'm in close communication with the faith community leaders uh, here in our state. That's my charge. And I'm now in my second term. It's a four-year term. I'm currently in my second term now and uh, more than happy to serve. So the suicide rates have been going up. What's one thing we could do as a society that would reverse that trend? Talk to each other more. I've been a strong advocate, Craig, for a good number of years that in America, I don't believe we talk to each other enough. I don't, I don't think there's enough conversation going on. And there's a lot of misunderstanding and misunderstanding leads to fear. And I believe that if we take the time to get to talk, get to know each other by way of a conversation, then we can help people who feel isolated, that feel lonely, that feel depressed, uh, they're, they're not talking to anyone. They don't feel they have anybody to talk to. Uh, and I feel that way across the board, not just for suicide, but for a lot of other uh, societal issues that we're dealing with in our nation. Uh, I think the core of it is that we just don't talk, talk to each other enough. So if we can create forums where we can have dialogue and conversation on the topic and help people understand more about what's going on, I think we'll be well on our way to decreasing those rates because, see, conversations lead to healing. And, and then once a person is healed, now they can go on and share their story with someone that felt the same way that they did and help them to heal. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. But that, that's my standard answer. We just need to talk to each other more so that we can have better understanding. We have a whole lot more in common than we have differences, but we, you never know it because we don't talk to each other. I I couldn't agree more. I just think I look at the polarization in our country. I look at a lot of things. You know, we, 
I, I agree with you. I think we need to talk more and just um, open up the dialogue and mm-hmm. and talk. And when I say talk, I'm sure this is what you mean. Listen. Yeah, absolutely. Give okay. people a platform to just share what's on their heart. Again, we're not going to always agree. That kind of goes to human behavior. We, we're, we're not going to always agree, but by not by, by refusing to interrupt when a person is speaking and refusing to change the subject while they're speaking and allow them to get their entire thought out sends them the message that what they're saying is important. And that means a lot to people. Yeah. It really does. Uh, people will get offended really, really quick when they're talking and they try to make a point and you cut them off. You've probably been on the other end of that. You've re- you know how it makes you feel uh, listen, I'm not done with my point yet. <laughs> and they, they've already cut you off. So that's something that leaders have to be taught. We don't really get this in school. Uh, but the best leaders are those that listen very, very well. It makes a big difference. And so you've taken all of these things that you did initially in government and you've formed the Johnson Leadership Group. What's What's Correct. that deal? So we are a... Uh, a firm. Uh, I have 10 people on my team and we work with government agencies, both city, county, state, and federal. We work with small to mid-sized corporations. We work with churches. We work with academia, primarily colleges and universities, and we work with nonprofit organizations to uh, dive deep uh, into their workforce and provide leadership development training and executive coaching also diversity, equity, and inclusion training to help the workforce to be the best that they can be. So whether you're an aspiring leader, um, a want-to-be leader, or you're currently in leadership, even if you're very seasoned, there's always something new and exciting and innovative to learn around communication, conflict management, emotional intelligence, growth, influence. I mean, there's a plethora of different topics that we have but we tailor our curriculum to meet the needs of that audience. And it's all about creating leaders of excellence at all levels. That's our mission. And it's about helping these teams and these organizations, these chief learning officers, uh, directors of human resources, project managers, project leads, to, to, to really help them and partner with them to train the workforce to be the best that they can be individuals comprise the team and then the team comprises the organization. So we always use the terms us and we and our, and we never use the term I and me because we're, we're only as good as an organization as every member on the team. So we help, we help these organizations and companies and government agencies to understand that. And I'm, I'm in my sixth year, Craig, of retirement from the federal government. So next year, in March of next year, the company would be six years. And, and we're having a blast. Just, I, I'm in my lane. Uh, I, I really enjoy what I'm doing. And the best is yet to come. Well, that's that's exciting. So my, my big takeaways from our interview or from our discussion today I think the biggest thing is what you talked about with being able to motivate employees. I think this is so incredibly valuable. 
especially today when when there's a labor shortage. And the three things I wrote down was everybody wants to be affirmed, everybody wants to be a part of a tribe, and everybody wants to be included. And I know that when people reach out to you at the Johnson Leadership Group, that's going to be one of the things that they're going to get. How do people reach you? Well, uh, our website, uh, I always send people there, www.thejohnsonleadershipgroup.com. Um, and then the email is, all, I'm always accessible, email kevin at thejohnsonleadershipgroup.com. And when you go to the website, you'll see all of the different organizations that we work with. Uh, you'll see the endorsement letters from these different organizations. You'll see photographs of my team. Uh, we also offer a complimentary coaching session. If you were to go to the website and, and click on that little box where if you're interested, uh, complimentary co coaching session, 20 minutes, uh, any and all the things that you need to know about the work, work that we're doing uh, is right there. And uh, we have a company policy to make sure we respond within 48 hours when we're contacted by email or by phone. The phone number is listed there on the website as well. All right. Well, Kevin, Wayne Johnson, thank you for being on Leaders and Legacies. All right, Craig. Thank you so much. Keep doing the great things that you're doing. This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making an impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag Leaders and Legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss anything, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com uh, or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.